You're listening to the Grassroots Church Podcast. We're a Jesus-centered community in Thunder Bay, Ontario. You can learn how to participate more by going to our website at grassroots.church. I am excited to introduce uh, the Teen Challenge crew. Um, they are going to... Yeah! They, uh, they, it's been a couple of years since you folks have been here. I think because of the pandemic and whatever. Um, but typically, we used to have them annually come and share and just kind of encourage us. Um, and we would hopefully encourage them as well. Um, and so I'm going to introduce, or come on up. And I think uh, you're going to do a little intro, hey? Me? You're going to do a little intro yeah. blurb. OK, sounds good. So here you go. Awesome. <laughs> you Well, thank you so much for having us. Um, we're all so excited to be here and to just share with you about how God is using Adult and Teen Challenge to just radically transform people's lives. Uh, my name is Katie. I myself am a graduate of the program. I gave my heart to Jesus sitting in jail, and my life was radically transformed. Um, I came out of a life of addiction for over 20 years. And now I'm just living a life that um, I just uh, truly didn't know was even possible for somebody like me. And so I'm very passionate about what we do at Adult and Teen Challenge. I've seen it not only transform my own life, but in the lives of, lives of countless others. And I really think God is on the move and that he just wants to bring all of the lost home. And so that's why we're here today. We're here to give you a message of hope a redemption story of how God takes the ones that are labeled too far gone and he brings them back home. He says, no, that's not true. These are my sons and daughters and I want to bring them home. And um, yeah, so we're just so excited to be here. Um, I have a couple things that I want to share with you. As most of you know, we have a long-term program which has amazing success in the lives of people. Uh, what we found was that unfortunately, a lot of the people can't commit to the one-year program Maybe they have small children at home or um, they're the sole provider for the family. They own a house. They can't just quit their job and come into the program for a year. So we developed an outpatient recovery program. And so it's called Ready Now Recovery. Same biblical teachings that you would find, same programming that you would find in our long-term program, but we bring it as an outpatient program. We have two groups running right now. We have one for men. We have one for women. Um, if you want any more information about that, please ask me. It's a great group. It's a great place to start. Actually, what we have found is, you know, some people will come to the Ready Now Recovery and they'll decide, you know what, I think I'm ready to come into the, to the long-term program. So we really want to be able to just offer that support in any way that we can. We want you to know with Adult and Teen Challenge, we are here to help in any way that we can. I work at the community office. Um, it's a new position for me and I'm really loving it, just being able to reach out to the community and um, share with people what Adult and Teen Challenge is up to and how we can help. The other program that we have, which is just so essential, um, it's called Concerned Persons. This program is for family members who have family members or somebody who has a loved one who is struggling with an addiction. Unfortunately, now we know almost everybody is affected by, by addiction. And we know at Adult and Teen Challenge how hard it is to walk alongside a son or a daughter or any loved one who is struggling with addiction and you don't know how to help them. 
It's a nine-week program. We go through a book called Concerned Persons. We talk about boundaries. We talk about how you can lovingly walk alongside this person. Um, it's biblical, again, biblical foundations. We go through the scriptures. Amazing program. Again, if anybody has any questions on how to sign up, I will be at the back of the table where our little table is set up, and please feel free to ask me any questions. We want to get you into this program. We want to get you that love and support um, and help you walk alongside your loved one who's struggling. Okay, well, that's my little speech for you. <laughs> uh, so you're going to hear some testimonies. Who wants to hear some testimonies? Yes, yes, we love testimonies. Okay, so I'm going to invite up Kim, and she's going to share her story. Woo, Kim! I'll just pray for you quick. Yeah, Lord God, thank you so much for Kim, Lord. Thank you for what you've done in her life. Thank you for how you called her home. We, we praise you for her story of redemption, for her story of salvation, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I ask that you would just speak through her, Lord, that you would just share with the people what you want to share through Kim. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you for your... Um, worship was really good. <laughs> that was amazing. So my name is Kim, and um, I was born and raised in Nunavut. And how I came here is... Um, I was living in Ottawa, and um, yeah, so I was born and raised in Nunavut, and my parents were Christians when I was growing up, and I, I met the Lord at a young age, and I had dreams and visions that I knew I was going to live for the Lord all the days of my life when I met the Lord. And that didn't happen. But, um, um, yeah, so my, my late father backslid, and it became pretty dark in our home quite quickly. And um, that's when, you know, unfortunate things happened, and... I was introduced to drugs and alcohol at a young age, and um, I had moments where I was, I, I saw the Lord, and his heart was, I saw his heart was grieving, and I would repent and say, I want to come back. And anyways, through those times, um, in high school, I met someone and, you know, I had a daughter with him, but um, the relationship didn't work out, so I moved away. And um, I knew I was gonna be all right raising my daughter as a single mom. 
you know. And I tried to serve the Lord. I would go back to the Lord and then just go back into addiction. And I didn't know who I was. I'm sorry. Wow. I didn't know who I was. So a couple years ago, um, I came into Adelantine Challenge in 2021 in February. And when I walked in through the doors, I heard the Lord say, it is my turn to tell this story. But deep in my heart, I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn to control my drugs and control my drinking so that, you know, I could still keep my job. And so I stayed for six months. And because I was like, I know, I, I know I can. I, I felt like I had self-control to control my drugs and alcohol. So I left the program at six months, and I went back home, and things got really bad and really worse than ever before. And But I was in contact with the program director, and she walked me through a lot of things, difficult things, and how to kind of find help and escape those things. And um, it, when I was in the program, I totally had this deep-rooted rebellion towards authority. And she gave me this scripture, um, Romans 13, 1 and 2, let every soul's soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists the ordinance of God. And these, though, and whoops, sorry. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And then the um, verse five says, "Therefore, you must be subject." Um, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. So she gave me that scripture and said, ask the Lord to help you trust him, you know, because I've been hurt by, you know, my parents, authority figures, and I couldn't do it, and it was a lot of forgiving the people of the past and trusting God, and the more I pushed myself to come to that place, the more I started to see, um, you know, you, I, I got my conscience back and clarity, and, you know, he gave me a heart to honor my leaders, and to respect my leaders and stand by them when they're um, when something comes against them, I want to be, you know, be there and say, let's fight this together. So, God changes hearts, 
So I came back to Adult and Teen Challenge in April with a heart set saying, you know what? I'm gonna become totally opposite of what I came in as, you know, changing my heart. And um, he's been doing transformation and, you know, he has a purpose and a dream for all our lives and the studies that um, the Adult and Teen Challenge brings are to help us walk out from addiction and live life in freedom and to have this relationship with the Lord. And um, the verse that I like the most is um, Genesis 50, 20. But as for you, you meant for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is the day to save many people alive. Like, um, he set me free, and he can do that for you too. Thank you so much. Uh, well, thank you so much, Kim. What a beautiful story of redemption, of somebody getting set free. And I love also, too, that highlighted in that story is a God who pursues us, who never gives up on us, who says, no, you're, you're trying to leave, but I'm, you're coming back home to me, Kim. And so I just feel like you're that prodigal daughter coming back home. And we're so proud of you. So proud of you, Kim. You're doing awesome. All right, I'll take this time to welcome up Nick. He's going to share our, his testimony. Can I pray for you? Yeah. Yeah. Lord God, thank you so much for Nick, Lord. Thank you for this life that you've redeemed. Thank you for your wonderful son that you just cherish so much. And Lord, I just pray again that you would speak through him and you would give us all a message of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Hello. I was like standing at a podium. Makes me feel powerful. Um, yeah, uh, so my name is Nick, uh, I came from, uh, the Winnipeg area, I started the program in September, so actually yesterday was my four months, <laughs> yeah, it's been going great, uh, so a little bit about myself, I, uh, I was born at a very young age to a very dysfunctional family, um, Actually, my parents, uh, I had four older sisters when I was born. They, they just got married before I was born. And I don't know if it was a product of having a son or whatnot, but they split up shortly after. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I grew up uh, in that dynamic of having my parents split up at a young age. Um, they both had their demons that they were wrestling with their whole life. Um, you know, my grandmother spent seven years in a residential school, and I think that kind of like tore apart uh, my family. And I remember as a kid growing up, I, I always thought adults had it together and knew what they were doing, right? I just like looked up at my aunties and uncles like, oh man, they're so awesome. And then I got older, and I was like, man, nobody knows what they're doing at all. Like, this is crazy. And, um, but... You know, thankfully, I was blessed with uh, four older sisters that 
they they loved me to death, you know, fiercely, and they always took initiative and good care of me when my where my parents weren't there for me. But through it all, you know, it just it it sucked um, not having them. Like I didn't have the emotional guidance and nurturing that I I so deeply wanted in my life. So I feel like at a young age I fell into like um, very like hard levels of despair, and uh, I kind of just lost hope at a very young age. Like I remember I was probably around 11 when it really started hitting me bad, but. Uh, thankfully, I had a, my grandmother who went through uh, the residential school system. She she came out, um, you know, obviously with her demons, but she was a very devout Christian, and she was like old school fire and brimstone. She put the fear of God into me at a young age, for sure. Uh, so I was able to uh, experience you know, going to church and uh, Bible camp. Actually, uh, it's where I gave my life to the Lord at Bible camp, and it was, it was awesome. I think the context of why I did it was a little bit, I was just like, I remember I was like eight, just crying, like, oh my God, I don't want to go to hell. This is terrible. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, <laughs> I became a Christian, and uh, so God started working in my life at a pretty young age. But I would just always go back to this terrible family dynamic where there was a lot of, anger and resentment and pain. So I, I, I developed uh, pretty deep levels of pessimism at a young age. Let me tell you, I was not good at parties, man. Just always bringing the mood down. <laughs> so um, yeah, just um, I think that's why different levels, different types of escape was so appealing to me. Just anything that got me out of my head so I, I instantly fell into a rebellious spirit, spirit, and I just was like always trying to act out and, you know, skipping school, sneaking away, getting like uh, trying to chase girls. But obviously, you know, I was a little kid and not really knowing what to say to them. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I, I fell into the ways of the world and, uh, you know, satisfying my flesh. And without any proper guidance, it's a very dangerous, dangerous path for people to be going on. So I, I got into, uh, yeah, I got into drugs pretty young, like 12, 13, uh, and drinking, all that, you know. And it just, it just becomes so ingrained into your lifestyle that you, you feel like... Uh, you know, you just kind of lose track of time and your responsibilities and you stop caring about all these things that are important for you. So I just, that's, that's what my life became. You know, I stopped going to school. I stopped, I stopped respecting the authority that God put in my life. And I just became disconnected from a lot of good, positive things in my life. And, and then uh, I think I had like a breaking point at like 15 and uh, I remember talking with my auntie, who's another wonderful, uh, she's a wonderful leader in my life. Uh, and she, she just told me, she's like, well, why don't you go try to see if you could volunteer at Bible camp? And then I remember calling there, and then the director answered, and he, he just was like, well, you know, you could come uh, be maintenance worker. 
And I was just thinking like how I barely know how to swing a hammer at the time. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll totally come help out. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went there. And that's when I first got to experience working in ministry. And it was just the best. Like having the surrounding of like, God, like devout people who are just, they have the joy of the Lord in their hearts. And it just was so... For someone who struggled so much with darkness and pessimism and pain, it was like the, the, the most appealing thing ever to me. So I, I just loved it. It was the best jobs I've ever had. And so I, would, I, went, I started going every summer, right? But again, I kept falling back into the dynamic of my life. And I never knew how to balance it. I always lived such a turbulent lifestyle. So when I would go back... I would just fall in love with the Lord again, and it just, I, I had that cycle for a few years, and then I got to go to this leadership training program when I was about 17, and I was at the Bible camp, and I remember it was the first time I really got to open up about some of the demons and the, the different levels of abuse I faced as a kid, because uh, one of the leaders, uh, my good friend Kara, um, actually stood at her wedding. Uh, we got really close. She, she was, the vulnerability she was able to show me, like the genuine trust she was able to show um, the students in that program, really, it resonated with me because I was always, I, I never trusted anybody. I felt like I could never really open up to people. So she, she was able to share that and it was a great example for me. And then that was the first time I was able to open up all these these hurts in my life. And it was like such a profound change in my life. I just, I felt like this, the weight of the world has been off my shoulders and it was just wonderful. And yeah, it was such a great experience that, uh, yeah, it, 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 changed, it changed my life so profoundly. And then I... And then again, I went back <laughs> into living my turbulent lifestyle, and I, I just felt like I could never really get a grip on it, right? And then, I, you know, I started living um, a lot more stable after that, but it wasn't anything, anything that I, I truly needed. Um, so I kept going back into the ways of the world, my same friend group, uh, and whatever, and I just feel like I wasn't really appreciating the responsibilities that I had and the time that I had. So my life kind of just spiraled from there. And I, I, met a, I met a woman who fell in love. That fell apart. And then I, it just got uglier and uglier again. And I felt like I was back into that darkness that consumed me so deeply. And again, I'm so thankful for like my sisters that I have. Like, oh man, I know, I know the Bible says that the man is the head of the house, but I'd be wrong if I didn't think that women are the neck, you know. They definitely support the men in their lives. Good women are, oh man, I'm so, I'm so blessed to have this strong, strong uh, women in my life that really just, like, they would not let me go into that lifestyle or the darkness. They would always pull me back out of it. And it was just, it was such a wonderful, and just just knowing that I have someone like that in my life, and it just, it, it kept me grounded, for sure, and they would always, they would always call me out on it, like, just out of love, for sure, but very straightforward, like, Nick, you're being an idiot, you're throwing your life away, 
you need to stop. So uh, I feel like I've, I've heard that a lot. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, but during those cycles of downward spiraling, I felt like I kept hitting what I thought was rock bottom, but coincidentally, it would just get worse. So uh, I just kept hitting this, this bottom in my life, and uh, I, I felt like there was no way to escape it. Like, I just, I kind of accepted my position in the darkness, and I, I just get, like, again, I was, I lost hope. I, I feel like I never really could hold on to, to hope in my life. And it got so bad. Um, I was so good at hiding it from people, too. Like, I was holding down jobs and hobbies and things like that and friend groups, social settings. But in the, like, in the inside, the darkness was just consuming me. Um, and then it, it got so bad uh, that just July last year, I was hospitalized for a suicide attempt. Um, and it, 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 was, it was bad. Like, it was really ugly and terrible. And, like, I immediately, when my emotions kind of came down and I realized I was sitting in the hospital, what I, like, after what happened, just this, like, huge wave of, Regret and remorse and like shame consumed me. And my sister, I called my sister and she just was like, she was holding it back, but I could hear like the fury in her voice because she just was so disappointed in, in that I would do that, right? And, and I just felt horrible. And she just was like, she told me something that sticks with me. She said, Nick, you can't keep living your life pretending like everything's okay. You need to do something. You need professional and serious help. She's like, we've tried everything. We can't, we can't help you. Like, you need something else. And then I was, and then um, I ended up, uh, so I was just, after that, I, again, I was just trying to coast in life. And then I remember I was looking for a job. <laughs> and I, I walked into the super thrift and I seen that they were hiring. And I was like, oh, man, well, I guess I'll work a, this dead-end job and uh, just because I was broke. So then I handed my resume, and they were like, yeah, we'll call you back in like two weeks. And I got a call the next day, and then I, I ended up getting hired. And at this point in my life, I didn't even know what Teen Challenge was. But uh, so I, I started working there, and then I kind of like... Throughout the employee handbook, they, they kind of give you a rundown on what the program is and that I'll be working alongside students. And then so I got to meet these students. This was in Brandon, Manitoba, about two hours from Winnipeg there. So I got to meet these students, and I just, I seen the joy in their lives that I experienced when I was first working ministry. And I just, it consumed me again. And I was like, oh, man, I just looked forward to being around that and being around them. And it was so wonderful to like, have that influence in my life again. And I would always make these sideways jokes. Like I'd be working with them. I'd be like, oh, man, I should, I should join the program. And they'd be like, yeah, Nick, you, you should join the program. <laughs> so then I, I don't know. Just one day I finally I had a really good talk with uh, one of the graduates of the program. And we just were sitting there working and talking. And she just was like, just do it. Like You'll get in. I, I could feel it in my heart. Just, just apply. And then I, I, I got home that day and then I applied. And then the next morning, 
I got a call. And then I got in, and I was like, oh, man, this is a little faster than I wanted. But, <laughs> but yeah, I got in, and I applied for the Winnipeg Center. They have a men's center in Winnipeg there. And, um, but I got into Thunder Bay, and I was like, man, I don't even know where Thunder Bay is. So then I just, but I, I knew I needed it, and I just was like, whatever, yeah, I'll, I'll come. I'll come to Thunder Bay. And then, yeah, that was on uh, September 18th, I think I got the call and whatever, and then, I, and, then I, and then I came out here. It was like 11 p.m. when I got in, and I just was like, man, this is going to be brutal. And then it, it, it was hard adjusting, you know, surrendering so much to God and to people and authority, but... It's been the best decision ever, honestly. Like, I, I've never felt this level of contentment and peace in my life. I feel like um, the progress I'm making has been way more than I anticipated. I feel like I, I'm learning to uh, actually live with discipline and structure that, that is keeping me grounded and on a straight and narrow path that I've never really been able to stay on in my life. And... Yeah, I'm just so blessed, you know. I feel like I came in at a really good time as well. Um, the, the students that I'm, I'm alongside with are all awesome, and I, I, I'm really, like, tight with everybody. And it just, it's been just a wonderful, great journey, and uh, I'm just really excited for what God has in store for me. Um, there's a verse that, um, well, we had this uh, session, the sermon on Thursday, with a man, uh, he, he actually almost passed away from this rare illness he has, and he, he basically talked about, he was talking about Psalm 90, the one that Moses wrote. I didn't even know Moses wrote any Psalms, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but it basically says to number our days, and the time we have on earth is so, you know, it's our most valuable resource, and it's non-refundable, so we really need to learn how to to make the most of the time that God gives us on earth, right? And hearing that from him after he almost died really just hit me. I was like, oh, man, like, I, I've squandered so much of my time on earth, and it's just like, but, you know, God's gracious, and he blessed me, you know, with a different path in life. So, but, yeah, it's here in Isaiah. Here's a verse that uh, has been resonating with me since then. It's in Isaiah 50, verse 10. It says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So, yeah, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. My name is Tessa Descharm. I'm 23 years old. I was born and raised in Winnipeg, Manitoba, in a home filled with addiction and violence. In my late teen years, I lost both my brother and father to drug overdoses. This left me feeling like an abandoned orphan. To cope with my grief, I used drugs and alcohol. This never actually helped. In November of 2019, I walked into the doors of Adult and Teen Challenge. I knew that there was something different about this place. I felt very loved and accepted immediately. 
that encouraged me to be who God designed me to be, which is um, free from bondage and just to live a life filled with joy. I now have hope, I have self-worth, and I've taken on a new role in the Thunder Bay Women's Home as a duty staff. I get to speak life and hope into other women who don't have anybody to support them. For those who are struggling with active addiction, I would encourage you to know that there is hope, that there is freedom, um, there is a sober life waiting for you, and people who will lovingly help support you in that area. I know that while I went through my recovery journey, that there have been people who have been supporting me and encouraging me by donating to Adult and Teen Challenge, and I'm very grateful that they made it possible for me and others to have a new life. We are Kevin and Connie Platt. We are dairy farmers, we milk cows. We've got a family of five kids, ages seven to 14. Teen Challenge has been in our world for many years. We've often recommended people to go to Teen Challenge. Whether it's our friends um, that are dealing with kids that are struggling, I'm just really thankful that um, there's already an established program that is effective and working, and God is using in, in great ways. There's so many wonderful testimonies coming out of this. I find it interesting, even last night, what happened to be my reading for the day was Matthew 6. It says, when you give, do not do it in front of others so that they'll see it. And we are with Adult and Teen Challenge today to talk about giving. It's like, how does this work together? God, like what in the world are you trying to tell me here? And then early in the morning when I went for a walk, which was my prayer time, this thought came, oh, in that passage, it talks of when you give and saying, when you give, meaning the assumption is you will give. And so God assumes that we will give. And then we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, where do you want us to give? Adult and Teen Challenge is one of those that we're excited about giving towards. They point people to Jesus and that's something we support. That's why we buy in. It's just a matter of discerning God, where do you want us to give? My name is AJ. I'm part of the development team here in Winnipeg. Um, and I'm, I'm also a graduate of Adult and Teen Challenge. So I walked into the doors 2008 and uh, it changed my life and in more ways than I can think of, it saved my life. So I'm really glad that there was a place like Adult and Teen Challenge for me to come. And I'm really glad there's people out there that helped make it possible. Addictions right now is at an all time high. Uh, you know, we got anxiety and depression and all the things that come with being stuck in addiction. It's, uh, it really does need help. And that's what Adult and Teen Challenge does. When you become a monthly sponsor and come on board with us, you're supporting students like Tessa, stories like mine. And there's so many out there right now that really need help. And it's what we do here. So uh, maybe you're listening and you're thinking, hey, how do I become a monthly sponsor? Uh, what does it look like? What do I get? Where does my support go? You'll get uh, pictures and testimonies of the students uh, that are in the program. Every three months, you'll get an updated letter of what's happening, what's going on in the program. Monthly sponsors are super important for us. Uh, it's something that's consistent. You know, when COVID hit and we had to shut down many of our fundraising avenues, our thrift stores, fundraising events, the one thing that kept us going and that was consistent was monthly sponsors. So it gives you an idea of why it's so huge for us. So today I'm asking, would you consider being a part of our team and coming on board as a monthly sponsor? 
change lives, it's worth the investment. You better believe it. Thank you so much, folks, for sharing. <clears throat> um, super touching. And I thought this morning we would continue on our series in the, 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 the Renewed Rhythms series. But I was listening to uh, what we were, or what we were listening to this morning. I thought, you know what, maybe we'll just put a pause on this for this morning. Um, I thought it would probably be best just for us to reflect on the testimonies. Um, just listening to stories of transformation is so powerful. So thank you very much. Um, and we will, I think, as a community, commit to be praying for the ministry here of Teen Challenge in Thunder Bay. Um, and for you folks as students who are going through this program, and I would encourage all of us, if it's possible, to find ways of either committing to like monthly donations, or I think one-time donations are fine too. You guys can do that. Um, is it all through the website, or is it through you, or how do we want to? You can donate online. You can donate to you, <laughs> whatever you like. Awesome. So um, I will leave that with you folks. But maybe with just the, the five minutes or so we have left, uh, and if we do want to just kind of pay a little bit of attention to this, we're not going to dive deep into any of this, but I thought maybe it would be a bit of a check-in with how our community is doing with the spiritual disciplines that we um, began a couple weeks ago. So I know it's a little bit awkward, um, and I'm sorry, but I thought, raise your hands, we're a church family, we're support, there's no judgment here, raise your hands if you've been pretty consistent with the Sabbath and with prayer, those are the two that we've uh, carried on, and that's okay if you're not, no. Bill has one. He has great. Okay, we're not going to name anyone else. That's fine. Um, that's good. Remember what we said at the very beginning? We wanted to set the bar low. Um, we said that there is uh, just this no judgment. There's no, um, you know, there's no sort of like a superiority thing here if we're really good at it. Um, we have this journal that is at the back and you are able to um, use that to kind of follow along week after week, bring it home, uh, and kind of provide some reflections on how you're doing with these disciplines. Um, so, like I said, the first week we did uh, the Sabbath, and hopefully we're trying to um, make that a part of the rhythms of our lives, or we're incorporating Sabbath into our life, incorporating rest and restoration. Uh, last week, thank you, Scott, for sharing on prayer. Um, our family was in Fort Francis battling it out on the squash courts, and uh, Cam won his division. The rest of us did not. Uh, that's okay. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but we had fun, and so thank you, Scott, for doing that. Uh, one thing Scott did say that was incorrect and I won't hold it against him, but he said that you only get one journal. Well, the truth is, if you forget your journal, we have printed off so many of them. So feel free to grab another one. Um, and if you folks visiting from Teen Challenge are interested in joining us throughout this series, by all means, either follow along online or come join us on Sunday mornings and uh, grab a journal as well. Um, I do want to say... Again, and Scott reiterated this last week, and I think I just want to keep driving this home, um, that we did that one. Um, the goal here, no matter how often you might struggle with this, uh, if you're not able to, you know, 
pray one day or you forget to pray or you forget to read your Bible or if you get to any of these disciplines that we're talking about, just keep moving forward. That's what I'm asking us as a community, okay? Just keep moving forward. Don't beat yourself up over it. Um, give yourself a break, but keep moving forward. Pick up the next day. And the other thing I want to say, um, and, and this is what I get from uh, Samer Masad, I think his name is a pastor at North Point Church in the States. And he says, these are the four things that spiritual disciplines are not. And these four things, I think, are so important for us because it's easy to find us practicing these habits, these disciplines, and thinking that we are maybe gaining favor with God or we are, you know, more spiritual. Or it just kind of helps us, or just it can easily uh, resort in us becoming a little bit more self-righteous. And that's like, and that produces Christian jerks. And we don't want to create Christian jerks. And so I just want to reiterate what the disciplines are not, and then I promise we'll wrap it up. So they are not a measure of how spiritual you are. Um, as we practice Bible reading and prayer and secret giving is one of them, uh, solitude, there's all sorts of disciplines. As we practice these things, let us keep in mind, this is not a gauge on how close you are to God. This is not a gauge on how much God loves you, which is number two, a way to win favor with God. This does not, you're, you're practicing or you're not practicing, does not measure how much God loves you. We believe at Grassroots Church that God loves you as you are not because of your ability to get up early in the morning and pray. Um, and the third thing is that these are not necessarily unpleasant. How many of you, as you've begun practicing these, have actually found they're kind of okay? They're, they bring joy. Okay, good. <laughs> that's encouraging. That's, that's been my experience. I have, um, I've really been enjoying them, and, uh, and I think... Uh, They've been good for my soul, and so I'm hoping that's the case for yourself as well. And of course, the spiritual disciplines are not the end goal. The end goal is not to become really good at reading your Bible. The end goal is not to become really, really good at praying faithfully or any of these things. The end goal, as we said on the first week, is to love God and love others better. And if you can do that without the spiritual disciplines, then by all means, give her. But I don't think you can I can't, and I need these practices, these rhythms in my life to help me become more like Jesus. And I think we all do, and I think it was designed that way. And so my encouragement is that you do not see the disciplines as the end goal. You do not see them as this thing that you have to strive to achieve and to perfect. You see Jesus as the end goal, and for us to become more like him, to love God, to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that is the end goal. So that's all I wanted to say about the disciplines this morning. I don't want to take away from um, the work of uh, the message from Teen Challenge, our friends at Teen Challenge, the message of transformation, the message that God is at work and he's um, in the lives of these individuals who, are, who have struggled with addiction, who have found brokenness, who've been at the bottom, and that God has restored them and is lifting them up. And I want us to just be encouraged by that message and for us to leave the space this week just believing that that is the business that our God is in. He's in the business of healing. He's in the business of transformation. Amen? Okay, so um, I'm going to leave it there. We will pick up next Sunday. And I know this, for those who really like order and having things nice and structured, um, you have your journal and it has like each of the disciplines in order. And now this throws a whole wrench in the whole thing. I apologize. Uh, but honestly, that was going to happen sooner or later anyway. So might as well just rip that band-aid off, right? Um, 
so uh, that's just the way it is. We'll deal with it, and it'll be no issue at all. It might back up the whole thing a week. That's fine. Uh, we've got like seven or eight more weeks in the spiritual disciplines, and, um, and I'm really looking forward to it. We have other folks who are going to be sharing as well, which is exciting. And so I uh, hope you'll stick around either uh, in person, which is my preference, but if you can't, then join online as well. Um, let's pray. I'll invite the music back up, and we'll close in a song this morning as we do communion. So um, for those, again, who are visiting, uh, Grassroots, we do communion every week. And it's um, a way for us to be centered as a family, a church family, around Jesus Christ, him crucified, him resurrected. And he gave us these symbols of the bread and the cup uh, many moons ago for us to, um, to basically remember him, to basically remember what this whole game is about, what this whole thing is about. And, and so weekly, we gather together, we take our bread and we dip it in the juice, and we remember his death and his triumphant resurrection as well. And uh, that is the hope that we profess um, and we believe as a church family. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to close, um, and then I'm just going to invite everyone to come up as we sing our last song together. Thank you, Father, so much for this morning, for this uh, group of vulnerable folks who have tasted your goodness and who have experienced um, your faithfulness in their lives, uh, who have experienced your healing and that transformation that takes place through um, just submitting to you. And I pray, God, that that would be a challenge for all of us in whatever struggles, whatever journeys we're on right now, that, Lord, we would bend our knee to your lordship and that we would walk alongside um, just the way of Jesus as he, as your spirit works in us and as you empower us uh, to not just be healed in ourselves, but to bring healing to the world around us. And now as we take the bread and the cup, um, would you once again remind us of your sacrifice, of your death, of your example of other-centered, self-giving love. And may we walk in step with that. In Jesus' name, amen.